Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio, your ongoing workshop in positive mass influence. Drawing from neuro-linguistics, systems thinking, game theory, and mythic archetypes. The podcast that helps you access creative inspiration and harness it to design strategic thought leadership to empower your audience, your prospects, your customers, and your followers with high-level influence and learning. I've got a treat for you today, an interview with George Huff, the CEO of Opal Labs. So the idea is to gain insight from the founder of an innovative marketing tech company, uh, George has grown Opal's annual revenue to ultimately surpass $10 million and has had numerous successful projects, including partnering with Target to generate 300 pieces of daily marketing content. So what you'll get from this episode, in part, is to discover deeper inspiration for your own journey in business leadership from George's example and gain insight into the founding and vision of such a marketing tech company that distinctively solves a problem. Learn strategies for overcoming the challenges of marketing when you have to create a unified message within a large organization. And even if you're not a marketer, or even if you're not within a large organization, I think this has application for all of us who are trying to create positive influence because we all want to get an audience that becomes unified behind our leading message. So welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, and I'm sitting here uh, from one coast to another speaking with George Huff, the CEO of Opal Labs. Welcome, George. Thank you. Good to be here. And we had a little bit of a conversation ahead of this interview, and I find what Opal Labs is doing fascinating in helping organizations fully bring a message to life. And can you tell us a little bit about what is behind Opal Labs and and a little bit of your history and how you came to a place where you would bring something like this to life? George? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I could I could go back, I could go back all the way to um kind of how I just ended up gravitating towards, you know, the space of tech and, and brand. Um, but you know, really a big fran- big fan of how brands come to life. Um my since I was a kid, right? I just I've always loved the big brand, um, like the storytelling, all that stuff. And and I think that as I got into my career, um you know, on the outside, you look at a brand and there's just all this perfection and veneer around it, right? They're like, oh, wow, how did it, like, it must be like that on the inside too. And then you get on the inside of these big companies um, and it's it's really hard. It's really hard to be thorough um, and and be consistent and bring all these people that are inside of an organization with all their participants and, and how they build their brand from a marketing standpoint. Um, 
seeing how fragmented everything was and seeing how how hard it was to actually bring that brand story to life. And so, you know, I, I've been on this mission and Opal's been on this mission um, to make that a, a smoother process, to make it easier and really, you know, eliminate a lot of the things that get in the way of, of brands putting their best foot forward as it relates to, to, to marketing. Um, and so that's that's really kind of how we got started, um, or at least the, the, the path that I've been on many, many uh, war stories in between uh, now and, and and back then when when I got on that path. But, um, you know, at, at, at a high level, it's really about how do we help our customers have a place where like everything goes goes in one spot and they're coordinated and aligned and they can, you know, focus on the work versus like focus on um, all the misalignment that often derails work. Interesting. So you help organizations bring their message into alignment is one thing mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's interesting how you point out the, the veneer of a brand. There's there's a lot of work behind it, and all the glitters isn't gold sometimes. But there's a yeah. a lot of thinking that has to go into. Um, and then of course, then there's the market response, and does the right. market respond the way that you think we will, or are we designing it from the market response inside? What are your thoughts on that? I'm designing a brand according to what the market is saying they want versus having a vision and then testing it against market response? That's like, that's such a fascinating question. Cause I think that um, it's kind of like gas and brake a little bit. Um, you know, like sometimes you just have the right idea. You're, you're kind of, I don't think anyone's like so in a vacuum that they're not aware of what's going on uh, in, in culture and whatnot. But um, I think like if everything you do is waiting for the market to tell you that the market wants it, I think you're, you're playing it too safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the brands that end up breaking through do have a point of view and usually a pretty strong point of view about who they are. Um, and when it works, it's beautiful. Um, so I, I don't, I don't think it's always like one or the other, but I, I do think that there's, um, I, I do think that you could, you can almost like, um, believe your own hype too much as a brand, like where you, you kind of are missing something completely because you're, you're, you have like an arrogance. So there's like, there's gotta be this like humility where you are paying attention. Um, but if you only are like waiting for permission, you're never going to take the risks that allow you to, to separate from the pack. Oh, sure. Who would have told Walt Disney that families want a Disneyland before he actually came up? Right. It's like, and it's like the, it's like the Henry Ford faster horse uh, story, right? Um, same, same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we want a faster horse, but uh, here's something that would, satisfy those values so maybe right. maybe it's being in touch with values but the models that bring those values about being innovative with that so innovative yeah. message as well so what do you see in from your perspective uh, and i know you put a lot of thought in this to come up with this kind of um app and this kind of system um that brings these visualization tools to marketing planning what do you see as the components to bring together to, to come up with an aligned message that is going to resonate with the market? Yeah, I mean, I could riff on this for uh, more time than we have allotted for, for today. But, um, <laughs> I'll try to keep it as short as possible. You know, you used a word in there that I think is really important, and it's the word system. Um, marketing, like for, for this work, right, for planning um, for understanding what the customer is going to experience, like for that whole, like for everything that marketing is going to put out there, there's really no system today. Um, usually it's a, people are cobbling together like a Trello board or a spreadsheet or like whatever the thing is, um, some kind of general purpose tool that's built for everyone, but like not really built for marketing. 
Um, and so when you kind of step back and say, well, people are trying to achieve these things in these tools today, what are some of those components? So you need to be able to manage like, you know, lots of content and its attributes. So you can like make sure you know what's what um, and you're organized, right? You need some sense of time, a calendar, being able to like, you know, look look out and, and, and understand, you know, both at a granular level, like when are we going to publish a tweet all the way up to like, in general, when are we going to talk about a new product launch or whatever, things like that. Mm-hmm. So there's this time component to it. Um, there's this collaboration component to it where, you know, the back and forth of the work itself, um, people need a place to be able to, to talk about that and having it all kind of be in one place allows you to, to um, you know, avoid, just avoid some of that misalignment. So like there's this, there's this basic system component to it. Um, and that's all well and good. Cause I think that when you, when you think about a software product, you think about it being like a set of features that allow you, allows you to achieve a job. But what's interesting about um, a system, like thinking about it like a system, especially within an organization, mm-hmm. is hierarchy, right? So if I said to you, um, you know, does your CMO care about uh, Monday.com if that's what you're using to manage like your content planning or something like that, right? No, your CMO is like, whatever, I don't care what tools my teams use. Um, they care, like you think about the direct value that's implied there. Um, what they really care about if you're seeing in this space is like, here's my strategy and is my strategy being executed on and is my strategy working, right? Like it's, it's sort of that, that chain of things. And so with Opal, we, we kind of said, well, what what were all these things? Like, what if you were to design these things together to actually account for hierarchy in organizations so that people could have their view of how they saw the world and the way they thought connected to the work. And that's really, you know, the vision for what we're doing is connecting strategy to execution through the lens of a plan. Um, And in that executional layer, bringing the visual nature of the work to life so that everybody can like say, yes, are we doing this thing for, you know, holiday 2024? And what is this sort of, what what does everything look like together and having that be um, at your fingertips? And I think that that's, that's something that's not really it's, it's just doesn't exist today. Um, and, and especially not in the way that we're approaching it, but like, you know, kind of stepping back, you know, everything's about efficiency right now. How can we get more for less? How can we, how can we, um, you know, consolidate tools, like all these things that people think about of, of like their efficiency play. Sure. Cause a lot of people think efficiency is like, well, think uh, we have a content idea. It goes from point A to point B to point C all the way to Z, whatever. And like, let's consolidate those steps so that we can be more efficient. Um, we think about efficiency. I think that does exist, but it's an also and an and, right? The hi- that hierarchy I'm talking about, that misalignment in hierarchy, uh, is actually probably a bigger disruptor of efficiency than than anything else. And so that's really like what we aim at, and our differentiator, I think, in the market against like a generic t- platform and tool, is that we're really aimed at, at at the whole pyramid of marketing to say how can we help everybody in marketing be more aligned, be more collaborative, and thus drive efficiency. So, so bringing the team's message together with a tool that makes the process more coherent. Yeah, exactly. More coherent and more in context of the bigger picture, right? Um, you know, it's it's one thing to say, "Hey, I'm responsible for social inside of a brand, and I've just got my spreadsheet of ideas that I'm constantly tweeting out." Like at its most kind of basic, sure. all the way to, um, "Hey, there's also like a request model, like, hey, we're doing a hello." we're doing a Halloween campaign or something, right? Like chuck over the fence to the social person and maybe they 
send out a tweet that's got the uh, you know pre-written copy for, for for this thing and maybe like an image um, all the way to hey this is the strategy and we're all aware of the strategy and we know that we're going to support it like months in advance and so it's just kind of built it allows people to like build all this stuff into the rhythm and have it kind of and then seeing it together along the way um, I think that most organizations you know every organization's orged a little bit differently uh, but I think that the the ones that do the integrated marketing the best are the ones that are kind of working together from the beginning through the process. And that's really the model we think is the one worth building a product for. Um, so speak, speaking of alignment and working together and bringing a shared vision to life, how, how much does that play off of an organization's internal alignment around shared values Mm -hmm. shared beliefs because what we talk about a lot in strategic thought leadership is helping a segment of the marketplace or helping an audience adopt a new belief system that is going to be empowering for them and help them get more out of whatever they purchase a product or service for for instance in the marketplace but it also had you know political or social <laughs> engineering roles you know or social right, right. roles uh, and and but people are trying to take a a clear mental model, a clear thought leadership position that is not yet adopted by an audience, but would help them get more of what they want should they adopt it. And then there's a process of developing supporting arguments. Mm -hmm. How does how does that kind of process or thinking um, where there, I guess there's a, you could say there's a hierarchy of organization in the sense that there is a lead message, but then there's supporting arguments that support the lead message by undermining whatever old thinking we're taking people away from. Right. Uh, like the, we're not riding horses anymore by Henry Ford because this is easier. Are you, are you talking about the, like the internal inside of an organization? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking yeah, about yeah. how to how to how to really get everybody aligned so that all these supporting arguments that people come up with, their ideas for content, so to speak, yeah, yeah. are in alignment yeah. with the lead message of an organization. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of times, you know, I think that, especially like, I mean, we work with organizations that are like massive, and then we work with organizations that are smaller, right? And and the, the ones that um, the ones that are smaller they it's, it's just like it's like a different set of problems they have sure what, like that, that sort of political problem that you, you speak to is definitely evident like we can't ignore politics inside lar large organizations and so for us you know it's not even and it's not even just um content ideas right it's like hey we built a special tool in-house for this thing that this seems like that's what this other company you're trying to tell us to like pay attention to does you know for us we, we um it's a gradual, I think it's a gradual thing to change if you're kind of working from the bottom up inside of an organization. If you're working from the top down, you know, a company's got to know what they're about. Like, what are their values? What, what do they stand for? Like, you know, one of the things that that we we run into a lot, like right now I'm working with a large organization um, and for them, you know, they, they're starting to use words like we want to be more collaborative. We want to be more agile. We want to be more aligned and, and sort of, you know, less silo, like, like knock down the silos. So there's like these concepts that um, I think old guard, you know, old guard kind of limits you from going to that, right? Because people have their little fiefdoms or whatever. 
And so I, I think that's something that we navigate at every single organization. Every single organization looks a little bit different. Um, we've learned so much from a product perspective on, um, on things like opinions. Um, so like with Opal, for instance, you know, we, we started out saying, oh, everything has to be this way. Cause you know, when you first start, you, you design a product after the organizations you first work with. Right. So you're like, oh, this is how you do it. But then you kind of go to a different organization or a different set of organizations and, you know, it could be different verticals, right? We got a really big start with like consumer retail and now we work with a lot of, um, you know, say healthcare companies and they just think about things differently. And so you have to build a system that's significantly more flexible um, to help with like these different styles, because when you meet those different individual groups, like one group's like, well, we work this way and adopting this tool would be not only adopting a new tool, but changing the way we work. And we don't want to change the way we work, you know? Sure. Uh, this sort of greater of everyone being aligned. We don't really care about that, you know? So like, I think the top-down pressure plus how we go about it with the flexibility side is, is how, how we navigate those spaces. But I don't think it's a, it's not easy um, sure, uh, sure. at all. And I, I could talk these kinds of things all day long too, but I feel like I should play the listener advocate role a little bit and reel us in a little bit and maybe take it out <laughs> abstract. If you could tell a story of a specific example with what, of course, you're comfortable sharing in the podcast about how you help bring this about with either, either in your own company or for a customer or both. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I, without, without naming names of customers, uh, one is a, is a sort of, uh, I've seen this work out a few different ways. So, um, you know, oftentimes, when we sell, if I think about a, a pyramid and a hierarchy, there's sort of like executive layer, there's ICs, and there's mid-level management. A lot of times, mid-level management are the ones who um, bought, like bring Opal in to be like, let's let's do this thing. Um, and they kind of check the boxes and say, hey, we've checked the boxes with our ICs, you know, with enough or whatever. We think this is a worthy thing. So uh, we we were working at a company, and again, I'm not I'm not super inclined to name names, um, but let's just say that they're a big tech uh, consumer tech travel company, um, and they got buy in. They got enough buy in from the C suite, right? They're, they're like, okay, well, let's let's try this thing out. But there was never the oomph behind it. There was never accountability around it. There was never sort of a, a why we're doing this. Um, it was just sort of kind of like we bought this tool. Now we're going to start rolling out the teams and it kind of, it, then it became like, why are we adopting this? Who are we doing? And so like, when you see that change management happen, um, you would think at a, a technology company that like, they would just know how to adopt tools, but like humans still exist at those companies that have their own ways of doing things in their own political layer. Can, like I contrast that with a large aerospace company that's been around for a long time. Um, and we went there and it, we got to the C-suite and I, I literally, you know, I, I'm, I'm pitching in a room. It's probably one of like one of the coolest pitches of my life because I'm, I'm pitching in a room and it's like um, C-level executives and uh, like a lot of um, VP, senior vice presidents, director level, senior director level folks, probably 30 people in a room um, and pitching and saying, hey, this is what we do. This is why we do it. This is the problems we're looking to solve. Um, and this is how it relates to you. Um, and the the senior executive she looked around the room and she goes okay she's like this seems like a problem we've been trying to solve for a long time is there anybody that's not in on this no okay we're doing it let's figure out a way to get it done and that was that right and everybody kind of fell in line and so you kind of 
you know, if you're trying to fight those battles, those political ones from the middle out really hard, but if you're, if you can find, you know, a, a sort of a group of people that are buying into something and can and press things down and you, you give yourself enough time to make that change happen. Um, anyway, that's, that's like, it's, it's just that contrast of two different worlds. And I think that people, people forget how important hierarchy is, um, in these, in these sort of software rollouts. Oh yeah. And I, well, well, I'm hearing that it really pivots on support from the top. Yeah, support from the top. And it's just like being really buttoned up. I mean, I, I was blown away. I probably worked with one of the best project managers in my life that I'd ever seen um, at this other deployment, at the at this sort of aerospace deployment company, because they put people on it to make it happen. I think a lot of people think, well, if the software is easy, people will just start using it. But like humans... There, there's like a whole bell curve of humans, like, ex, uh, you know, acceptance for change. Like some people are like, I'm always trying the new thing. And some people are like, I never want to try anything new, you know, at the other end and, you know, a whole group of people in between. And I think, you know, you just got to nudge it enough to get it going that creates the critical mass that, that, that um, moves the needle um, with, with the software and stuff like that. Any kind of change really. And looking at what I can see about Opal here and the screenshots and the description of what it does, experiencing your brand through your audience's eyes and, and the, the visual aspect of it, uh, where it's like cards yeah. up there with, with images on them, it seems that just using the tool would promote having a more aligned, consistent message because I assume everybody can see what everybody's doing. Yeah, there's, there's kind of, yes, there's kind of two things there that like, that's one of them is the alignment. So like we have all these capabilities that allow you to see what other people are doing and, and sort information and, and, and find out what's going on. But the other side of it, and I think this is like how we do it differently is that like, if, if like, how are you possibly going to know what your brand is going to feel like if you only experience it in a spreadsheet before it goes out the door? Right. Right. And I think that, I think uh, what, what we do is we really push getting the content experience to as many people as possible inside of an organization with our product um, before it goes out the door. Um, because once it goes out the door, it's live. Uh, and and then, then there's really like no pulling back. Um, and so just giving people tools to visualize what their brand is going to feel like through the lens of the plan that they had put together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we used to do these things. So, so I, I, I cut my teeth, the brand I cut my teeth with early on in my career was Nike. And, um, you know, in, in a consulting capacity. And we used to do these things where you'd go to a conference room that was like walled off with like, you know, chairs in front of the whiteboard that had like, you know, um, you know, here's the tweet printed out. Here's like every, and they would like, they would have these things in it and they call them and they bring in an executive and they say, let's do these wall walks. And you go, oh, well, here's what's going to happen. And here's what's going to happen. And this is the experience of the thing. And Nike is one of the best consumer market brands on the planet. And sure. so I, I, that's why I, I was like, how do you, how do you scale this? That, that was sort of like one of my answers. I was like, how, how would you scale this? You know, I've thought about that for a lot of years, like scaling the ability to see something end to end and not have it be a thing where, um, you know, Hey, so-and-so VP wants to know what the thing is. And you're basically like running around, like losing your nights and weekends, trying to build this like deck or something that like they can like walk through the thing. Um, so when we, we designed our system, we were thinking about that problem too, right? How do you, how do you make these, you know, going back to the hierarchy thing, um, if we're peers and I say, Hey, Chris, what's, what's the, what's the Twitter, like what, how is, how is Twitter supporting our Halloween campaign? Right. You'd be like, Oh, cool. I'll just send you my, my spreadsheet or I'll send you, um, whatever I have. Right. And you don't really think twice about it because we're peers. 
But if I'm three rungs above you in the hierarchy and I say, hey, Chris, I know you run Twitter. Um, can you give me your campaign? Like what you're going to do for Twitter for, for like what we're doing for Halloween? Like how does that, that, the nature of that question, how is it changed by the hierarchy? Yeah, yeah. To, if it's a very hierarchical organization with very centralized thinking, then the people at the lower rungs of the hierarchy might feel they just have to be responsive to what the higher rungs. And want. like, oh God, what, what is what is what is George thinking about me asking that question? Does he think I'm not doing a good job? Like so much, there's so much loaded in hierarchy, right? And and most organizations have lots of hierarchy, like especially big corporations, like right. they they. And, and, it, and it's not that they're necessarily um, overly hierarchical. It's just that like if your boss and your boss, like your boss's boss is like far enough removed that like in the back of your mind, they're living rent free, you know, like, like, what do they think about me? Do they think I'm good? Like all that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, so any questions that you could ask, people make assumptions. It happens to me all the time. I'm the CEO. I'm like, no, I'm just like, literally like, I'm curious to know about what you're doing. You know, like there's no agenda. Well, yeah, and if you got the front lines are the people who might be, quote, lower in the hierarchy, unquote, and the, but they're the ones tweeting and making posts on Instagram and Facebook, there might be the yeah. ones who are most directly getting feedback from your prospective customers. Yeah, totally. So, so certainly, totally. I guess a danger of, of centralized thinking is the decisions are being made too far removed from the customer. Or is yeah. the, the front lines that's are the where, ones. That's where I think, yeah. I mean, you bring up like a whole other a whole other side of this, which is like operational rhythm and how you bring consumer insights back into your organization. Um, you know, like we're very much focused on the uh, assuming you have good consumer insights, you can do good planning. Um, but, I, but I think it's a good point and it's a fair point. Um, you know, so I think, you know, how do you balance that? You know, when you have a very command and control uh, hierarchy, like strong hierarchy, uh, I don't. I don't think I'm advocating for that as much as that. Whatever we're doing as an organization, it's all in one place, mm -hmm. so that everybody gets a chance to weigh in, top to bottom. Right. Um, a sure. lot of it, though, is is um, enough of an organizational strategy that everyone's not flying in different directions and doing double work, and you know, just like just I, I I'm a, I'm of the opinion that um, that a more orchestrated approach. Uh, is a better approach. Um, and I think that it, it's not to say that you don't want to empower people, but that does empowering people doesn't need to mean everybody gets to go do what they want as it relates to telling the brand story. Um, empowering people could be giving them constraints to be creative. Um, and, and so I think that's a that's a, a better way to do it because you, I don't know, you, you just end up, you end up more focused as an organization, I think. And I think focus is good. Because it's just that like singular, singular focus message all the time from a brand versus kind of letting everyone interpret the brand and, and doing things in different ways. Well, we have this focus in, in, in an organization, hypothetical organization has a clear message. In, in my world, we'd call it a thought leadership position. You could also call it yeah. a brand message if it includes a, a way of looking at the world that's a little different from the competition that's beneficial to the customers. Huh? How would you know? What would be your evidence that the audience, the market segment, is buying in? Is 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 being brought along that ride to that new destination of that that new way of thinking or that new perspective? What would be the evidence of that? I mean, that's that's um, 
It's getting outside of my wheelhouse a little bit because I think, I mean, what you're talking there is like, are you getting market share? Are you, are you in the zeitgeist? Are, are you, are you winning the kinds of customers and people that you want to be winning over as it relates to your strategy? Um, I think it's, it's all those things for people that manage brands and they think about any kind of a, a stake in the ground of positioning and how they want to go after something. Um, so, you know, for us, you know, one of the, the kind of quippy things I've said is that brands that care about their brand are going to choose Opal and they, they're going to choose Opal because they believe in a more orchestrated approach. They believe in collaboration and alignment, all the things that our platform provides. Um, but you know, if you're happy cobbling all your spreadsheets together and your team being kind of like running around disorganized, um, you know, like maybe that's not, maybe that's not the right customer for us. Right. But if we were winning the customers that cared about their brand, I would be very happy. Um, you know, that that's sort of like, and, and so that's like a very hard thing to measure, but you know, you look at some of our customers, like say a target is one of our customers. Um, I love having target. I love targets brand. I love what they stand for. They, they, and, and it really, really like the best brands, in my opinion, are um, are designed not just from like the marketing messaging out, but like from the culture out. Mm -hmm. So when you interact with individuals at Target, you feel like you're walking into a Target. I'm talking about the people that are like employed at Target corporate doing marketing. Awesome. There is a, you know, there is a feeling there that you're like, wow, they like are living their brand values. You said brand, you said values earlier, but I think. That's a really important thing. Um, and if if you go into an organization and everyone's kind of backbiting and kind of vindictive against each other, and you can just feel the political fight like in the room you're in as an outsider, um, I wonder how that affects that brand in the long run. I, I, I hijacked your question, but it's something I often think about is like that inside out of like culture and brand. Yeah. And, and uh, I think, yeah, the being congruent on the inside certainly can express on the outside. And I, I guess this is, a personal mission of mine or an area of intrigue at least to wonder how much more can we do to do this experiencing your brand through your audience's eyes by of course first of all how through people's natural conversations online how can we discover unmet values or belief systems that are right for a better way of looking at the world that would align with our brand's mission so we can bring them into this way of thinking and bring them into our brand at the same time. Think, of course, sales is what we all want. That might be a yeah. lacking indicator that would yeah. follow the- Conversation. Yeah, the conversation and yeah. and um, how engage, maybe engagement with the message, are people engaging with this position we're taking or this argument we're making in favor of this position or is that really not resonating and how do we know that you know through right i mean i think there's there's lots of tools and platforms out there for like i guess it's like the listening category of things right like what are people saying how or, or even you know how are they responding in in like some of the social platforms and whatnot um you know that that, that kind of gets back to your original question of like do you do market testing uh, or do you just like go all the way into your into the way you want to see the world and like whatever like burn burn the lifeboats like that's the direction we're going in. <laughs> yeah, um, right. So I, I think it, I think it plays on that. But I, I it, you know, for us, I, I can only relate it to us, right? Like what we've done because I get to see that side of it. Um, I don't actually get to see the sort of consumer research insight side of a lot of the brands we work. Like they're too big, right? Those aren't the people that we work with. Um, but I'm sure that they influence what our what our um, customers try and do. 
Um, a lot of it too is just inspiration from cultural just paying attention, you know. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, you know one of one of my favorite um, stories is of a customer Airbnb, um, and what they used to do is they said you know for us our our entire like our strategy is going to be about speed right speed of like being in this sort of cultural conversations when they're happening and we can't really be in speed if we're like trying to tell our story of the things that we're doing because everybody's got products and services that they're putting out in the world but being in the conversations to represent your brand um, especially within social um is is like it just moves so fast like you 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 can't like you can't possibly um pick pick any topic that happens in the world whether that's like a mass tragedy or like a really cool moment like whatever it is and have like your especially in a big company your like chain of approvals or whatever um go at that speed um because by the time you get there it's like too late and then you miss that moment right it's like you're not moving at speed it slows you down and so they often talked about um scenario planning so like if this kind of event happens here's content for it here's what we would say here's what we would do are these things all locked and loaded and then okay yes now if that happens and in some cases it happened to a point where you're like it's almost like mac uh not machiavellian is it machiavellian uh oh nostradamus nostradamus right like it's, mm -hmm. it was so like it's like they predicted the future and they were so fast at that moment they're like all the other brands are kind of standing around their hands in their pockets going, how did Airbnb move that fast, right? Like what are their processes internally? But it was really about scenario planning and doing it before. So not, not necessarily about um, a specific brand message, but just sort of how does your brand show up in the world of all the things that are going on based on the values of your brand? And like, can you plan for that in advance um, to, to and, and so that you can move faster? Um, really fascinating though. Well, it looks like you're bringing a lot to the table for anyone help wanting to bring a message to life in a marketplace at scale. Yeah. Especially with a large work. Now, is there a sweet spot for size of organization that Opal is right for or? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think about it, like if you think about Opal as like the marketing and brand brain, right, of an organization, right? Because it's just everything that's gonna, that we're gonna go and do, right? Um, if you think of a solopreneur, you're probably holding that in your head. If you're two people, you probably have a shared spreadsheet. Um, if you're five people, you're still in a room together. If you're 10, you know, like I think you get 10, you get north of 10, 15. And I'm talking about not org size, but like marketing team size. I think our I think our like starting sweet spots probably around 20 to 25 people of like um, you know, and 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 you know, there's people that we've had leave different organizations and buy Opal for 10-person teams. And been super happy because they had already adopted that model and they were used to it and they liked it but like you get up to 20 i think you really start feeling the pain point of not having a system um and then you get up to like you know some of our customers we got like 500 people whatever more than that and and that's um that's when things are really shaky because you know it's, it's hard to orchestrate everything uh from the strategic lens you know going back to like the the you know cmo or like vps of marketing or whatever like if if um if, if you don't have a way to kind of connect your strategy, because everyone has a strategy, like we get sent in strategy, strat plan documents all the time. Like, here's what we do today. Mm -hmm. And then we go, okay, cool. Well, how does that connect to the, to the execution? And they're like, 
you know, nothing exists that does this. That's why like, I, I'm, I'm excited because I see this opportunity so clearly. Um, and I think on the other side of it, when we, you know, like we're all, you're never done in a company. You're always like building a better version of the thing that you have. Um, but I think on the other side of it, it it's, it's like, it's as important of a MarTech category as anything else, because it, it's a, how organizations do this at scale. Yeah, makes sense. So a certain size, you get critical mass of the, the too much of an opportunity for messages to get disjointed without mm -hmm. to organize them. Yeah. And so what's your vision? If you could wave the magic wand and make everything happen just the way you want it to, and it took no effort, how would things be different down the road in five or 10 years? Um, you know, I think that, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity for, um, well, one, it's like, we kind of get on the other side of this, of, of like, like there's just like a standard way of doing it. Right. You don't go into like a sales organization now. Um, and, and people are like, we have no idea what our pipeline is going to be. Right. Or we have no idea who's working, what deals, like they have Salesforce and they go in. And, uh, if you're a, if you're an executive, you go into the Salesforce every day and you have your dashboard. If you are a IC seller, you go into Salesforce every day, you file, you open up your opportunities, you file your call reports, et cetera, et cetera, that funnels into this. And so I think that there's a real opportunity for Opal to be a household name for marketing organizations in that they, 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 this is how they kind of like run their business. And I don't mean that in like a dollars and cents way. Just, I mean that in a, our strategy is deployed here. Our content's planned here. We can see it here. People are still going to use tons of other tools in the MarTech space. You know, you need your social like publishing, listening analytics tools. You need your, um, you know, your paid media tools. Like there's just all these tools you're going to need. Your CMS, your DAM. Those are not things that Opal's out there saying that we're, we're one of those categories. But like there's this, there's this connective tissue, the source of truth for the plan, right? And, and, right. and the sort of strategy and execution all kind of come into life in one system. And I think... I think that for us, like that's the opportunity, that's the holy grail is to is to make Opal that marketing system that does not exist in, today. Um, and, and that's what we're gunning for. And, and what I'm getting from it is it just brings a coherence and alignment to larger organizations that, that message to be unified. I think that's powerful. Yeah. And what would be the top three lessons that you've learned that would be relevant to our listeners, even if it's a solopreneur, but our listeners are generally people trying to get a message out there. And clearly you're helping large organizations get a message out there. So it's really relevant experience for all of yeah. them. What would be the top yeah. three things that you've learned that, that you think would be helpful to our listeners? Um, I think that, uh, I think about it like through almost like a um, maturity curve, uh, you know, and, and I think about your audience is like, there's probably different levels of maturity of like where they're at in their journey, whether that's the entrepreneur journey or the marketing leader journey. Um, but I think that, you know, when you're first starting out, you're like, I need to think of an idea for uh, a Instagram post or something like that. Right. And it's, and it's like in that moment, that one thing. Um, but like when you step back and kind of deconstruct it, like I'm about the, I, I love what you said, you know, you're kind of hinting at it earlier, but like, what are we about? What are our values? How do we show up? Um, I think a lot of people, or a lot of co companies don't really do that exercise. Like they, they, they don't do it. Um, or they may do it as like, Hey, we put this poster on the wall and here's what we represent, but they don't actually like really lean into that. Right. Um, from a, from a, who they are. Similar. So I think that that's like, that's one of the first things is just like knowing who you are, knowing how you would show up in different situations. Um, and just having to think about that and, and really 
you know, putting that into your practice, um, as you get more evolved, uh, you know, you start to need tooling, right. For organizing all the different things that you're doing and, and starting to think about things, not necessarily as individual units of content, but also like different themes and, and things that you're going to want to be talking about, like, as you're always on stream, I think people right. getting into that space where you're like, okay, I talk about this different stuff. Some people do that with like phases of a funnel. Some people do that with like different thought leadership kind of concepts, ideas, um, some people, and anyway, I'll, I'll, you know, audiences is, is another one. So that's like part of it, the tooling for that. And then like, as you get to like a maturity curve where you've got like a lot of people on your team, um, it's really about organizational rhythm. So how are you, how are you like, what are all the things you need to do to make the machine work? Um, a lot of our customers will run like their Monday morning editorial meetings out of Opal. Cause they'll just be like, okay, what's on this week? Are we all aligned to these things? Are they all complete? Like, is it every, everything good? Okay. This is good. Okay. What does next week look like? And we're going to be on these like, you know, weekly kind of looking two week out cycles. So whatever that rhythm is for you, but like making sure that, that, um, those values are incorporated in those meetings and, and those themes and pillars of content that you're thinking about are incorporated in those meetings. Um, anyway, those are just like a couple of things that come to mind. Uh, but it really is along that, that maturity curve. That's cool. I like you brought up rhythm as a musician. Rhythm is important. And with <laughs> You know, with with harmony. What do you play? What do you play? Yeah, guitar. What do you play? I play guitar. Guitar, yeah, me too. Oh, excellent. I'm a, I'm a hack, but I play. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's awesome. Um, what kind of guitar do you play? Uh, I've got a Martin acoustic. I had a Martin for a long. I, I, bought, I bought it in college. I bought it in college. I met my wife, and then I don't play it very often. <laughs> oh, my wife yeah. is one of the play now more than anything. But I switched. Hey, look at you. You're pretty good. I love Martins too. Martins have a great sound. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. That's that's awesome. But you know, rhythm, harmony, and melody have have context in the corporate world. Besides music, of course, being a proven by research now to be a tool that helps your creativity in all areas and helps keep your mind young. I believe that. I believe that. But no, it's a great it's a great metaphor. Um, you know, like we use the the word orchestrate a lot on this call. We talk about that word a lot internally. It's like that. It's it's sort of setting that you know. All that up, like rhythm, all those things are part of part of orchestration. Um, and you know, the rhythm thing, the rhythm, rhythm thing often gets overlooked, but like we think about rhythm a lot in Opal, even how we run our business. Sure. Um, we've got like a cadence, like everything is just on this drumbeat of what we do. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think these things are super important um, as you as you kind of evolve your content practice. Yeah, and then the harmonies like all the everybody on the team having a coherence of message melody right. is the strength of the message itself cutting through mm -hmm. with the face love of the song or the face of the company it all it all plays out yeah, uh, this, is, this has been great i i think um you have a lot to offer uh, right size organizations and of course conceptually have a lot to offer anybody trying to get a message out there so if somebody's listening to this and thinking well, i want to find out more about opal how would they do that what would be the next step yeah, great. I'm glad you asked. Um, so there's a URL you can go to that we set up specifically for this show. It's opal.show slash studio. Awesome. And uh, we'll link to it in the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com and the episode description as well. So we'll make that really accessible. Well, I appreciate it, George. This has been great. Awesome. Great to talk to you, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Thought Leadership Studio.
So this is Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil. I hope you found the interview with George Huff, the CEO of Opal Labs, as interesting as I did. He certainly had a lot of insight on bringing a unified message, a unified brand message to market working with large organizations where you've got multiple levels of selling to do within the organization to create a unified message to bring outside the organization. So if you're listening to this podcast, it's very likely you're interested in influence, in positive persuasion. So consider the themes of unity, of alignment inside as well as outside. And that can mean alignment within yourself. So you're very congruent with your own message as well as bringing your team into the same kind of congruence with whatever thought leadership position that you want to use to empower your audience or your market segment or your field or profession. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please subscribe. It really helps out. Please give us a rating, a review, and make sure you visit the episode page where there are resources like the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership. It's completely free and it's a beginning guide to start to bring together the elements of the building blocks of strategic thought leadership to have both conscious and unconscious influence at a higher level and really bring your message to life more fully. So thanks again for listening and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thought Leadership Studio.